Hello, Guitar Smarts listeners. This is an important announcement. Please don't skip ahead. We start this podcast with a special message. Way back in 2021, Guitar Smarts had the pleasure of interviewing the utterly fantastic Matt Long. Matt is a multiple award-winning British blues guitarist and lead singer of the British blues band Catfish and hard rock outfit The Revenant Ones. He joined us for episode number 20 and was a truly gracious guest who spoke about his career, his childhood, guitars and meetings his hero, Joe Bonamassa. Well, Matt needs your help. Through 2023, Matt has been undergoing treatment for bowel cancer, and his recent prognosis has meant that to extend his life and retain a chance of survival, he needs to seek private treatment outside of the NHS. Matt's family have set up a GoFundMe page that is linked in the Guitar Smarts link tree in the description of this podcast. And we at the Guitar Smarts podcast would like to invite each and every listener to consider donating towards this fund that could well save the life of one of the brightest guitar talents of our generation. Now is the time, folks. Head on over to the link in the description to find the GoFundMe page. Donate what you can. Your donation could save a life. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. But the stuff that's coming off the board is going to end up on eBay. You know, it's not yeah. going to go in a in yeah. a cupboard or anything in case I need it down the line. It's um, yeah. well, if I need it down the line, I'll just buy another one. Um, yes, yeah, that's know. that's such a holistic way to view the world. Like, there's another <laughs> one of those out there, and if it was meant for me, then it shall return. And yeah, that's brilliant. Whereas I'm more like the Joe Bonamassa side of things, without the the multi millions yeah. in the bank account, where I'm like, yeah. these are my these are my precious things. My yeah. my precious, they will they will live in my precious cave, and um, and, I, <laughs> and I will slowly just yeah so withdraw into my into myself. Really. Yeah, I'm yeah I'm Gollum to your Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> Never before oh, in guitar smart history. Look at it. I know. <laughs> I am the Gollum to your Buddha. Right, oh, absolutely dear. brilliant. Greetings! Welcome to another episode of the Guitar Smarts Podcast. Thanks for listening. This week we are discussing GAS, or to give it its full name, Gear Acquisition Syndrome. Is this something that is particularly prevalent in guitarists, or do all musicians suffer from GAS? Why is it that most guitarists are always on the hunt for new equipment? Adjusting the rig, buying new guitars and pedals and building their collection? We try to answer that today. As always, come and join us on our social media pages at facebook.com forward slash guitar smarts and on Instagram at guitar underscore smarts. And finally, remember to subscribe or follow wherever you download your podcasts so that you don't miss another great conversation like this one. That's enough from me. Let's get to it. Hi, Kieran. I'm good, mate. I'm really good. Uh, it's becoming it, the standard intro to a it, podcast. It Hi, is. Kieran. Uh, yeah, one day I'll yeah. say, mate, I'm terrible. I'm just not in the mood today. But that hasn't happened yet. That'll be yet. the end of it. <laughs> well, that'll that'll be- then the end musical cue. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say that was another interesting podcast. And you'll say, uh, "Don't don't bother about liking and subscribing." Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, he's he's, he's, he's in a bad mood. It's probably not worth your. Don't effort. come back next week for more. Yeah, don't 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 stay tuned. <laughs> Listen to the back catalogue. There's some great stuff in there. But exactly. Uh, well, that hasn't happened though. So I'm glad you're all right. <laughs> yeah. We've been good. Yeah, it's been really good, mate. It's been really good. I'm in a great mood today. Um, yeah, week is week has been um, really interesting. Again, Con, let's go let's go properly British because uh, the weather uh, is just. 
dire at the moment. I don't know where spring has gone. We're supposed to, we have seasons in the UK, but the seasons have got all messed up. So it feels like we're in the middle of winter stroke autumn at the moment when we should be yeah, getting, it's, getting it's ready for the ridiculous. beach weather. It's just, it, that's a bit, that's a bit rubbish, but it's meant uh, more time indoors and uh, playing a bit of guitar this week and doing mm-hmm. some kind of sit down and guitar research to, for some project stuff that I want to do with some guitar setup stuff. So uh yeah so that's been cool oh and uh just as uh we were prepping to start recording i just had a text through to say um that somebody uh has bought uh one of my guitars that i've been selling i sold a guitar matt can you believe it you've sold a guitar (laughs) i'm getting rid of a guitar yeah are you okay uh yeah it's been a weird week right uh so yeah i've sold a guitar I know. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. But, uh, well, no, let's talk about that now. So it's the, um, I've mentioned this in previous podcasts when we, when we started talking about the, uh, state of the second Oh, was hand. it the Epiphone? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. So it was that one that I was kind of umming and ahhing. I took it off, uh, uh, Facebook marketplace after we had that conversation about the state of the second hand guitar market and, yeah. and how people were charging too much. And I thought, well, I think I'm probably charging too much for it. So I took it off. And then, you know, my guitar acquisition and gear acquisition syndrome continues. Um, and so I thought, you know what? Uh, this is a great guitar. It's a brilliant guitar, but it's not one that I'm playing at the moment because I've got, I've got probably, um, too many. So it, it does need to go. It should be sold. Someone should go and enjoy it. And I'll just put it on for a bit more modest price and one that, you know, is attractive and reasonable rather than. Mm-hmm. Just trying to trying to make money out of it. So I did that, and it's gone to to someone who's delighted. So um, yeah, I'm going to set that up for them, put a new set of strings on it, and get it all um, spot on, and then they're going to pick it up. Uh, I wonder if they know how day. lucky they are. <laughs> you know, because knowing what like you've mentioned yourself before, you're all CD with keeping your guitars maintained, oh, clean, sure. you know, in good condition. You know, I I I hope they realise when they pick it up how lucky they are because it's going to be a killer guitar without oh, a doubt. Well, well, it is in great, it is in absolutely superb condition. And um, actually, I even though I advertised it on um, Facebook, and I've had a few people contact me about it this week. Uh, the text actually came through from uh, one of uh, Damien Lodrick's friends. So I have a sneaking suspicion that Damien has been chatting to somebody who's been interested in, in buying a guitar. And he said, well, this guy's got a guitar for sale. So if you're looking for a guitar uh, that is going to be <laughs> yeah. set up and perfect, maybe maybe have a look at this one. So I actually probably yeah. owe Damo a pint for 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 his hand yeah. in, in this. So, but yeah, half shock, a pint. shock, half yeah, a half a pint. Uh, exactly. Shock revelations. <laughs> Kieran, Kieran actually sold a piece of gear. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's me. Uh, how about you? How's, how's your week going? My week's been all right. Week's been very busy with work, but that's good. I like being busy. Um, I've been, what have I been listening to this week? Uh, Toto again. Sorry. I can't help it. Actually, specifically the Fahrenheit album, which I haven't really listened to before, but, um, you heavier, know, I'm, I'm, heavier yes, album, right? Yeah, exactly. A little bit more kind of, uh, intricate maybe, mm, but, mm. um, I really like the set. The seventh one is my favorite so far. Um, right. Uh, but also been listening to a bit more kind of rock stuff like, um, you know, the Winery Dogs, uh, which is like Richie Cotson, Billy Sheehan yeah, from Mr. Big, right. Mike Portnoy from Portnoy, Portnoy, Mike Portnoy <laughs> from Dream Theatre. They're a great rock band. 
super, that's that's super first album is absolute killer. Just riff rock, really great guitar mm. playing and bass playing. Just all around, it's superb. Phil X and the Drills, I've been listening to as well. Oh yeah, that's I've been listening superb, to Phil yeah. X and the Drills this week. Yeah. Uh, their version of Superstition, just you know, <laughs> I, I mean, he just, just he just flexes it. It's great. Oh, it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's exactly what he does. Yeah. He Phil X is everything. He's such a brilliant guitar player. Yeah. Um, and I, I also love his kind of attitude to life in the fact that he's 55 and you wouldn't think he's 55 you wouldn't think when you see him play or talk or anything that he's 55 um and you know obviously he's taken over from Sam Bora in Bon Jovi yeah fantastic just a superb guitarist a prolific session guy actually he he, Mm. you know does a lot of session work you wouldn't realize it but as well as them because we've been looking over the last week at UK blues as well I've been really getting into the Cinelli brothers who yeah. are just a superb UK-based mm-hmm. kind of Chicago blues band. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a young lad called Connor Selby as well, who is a brilliant uh, British blues guitarist, young lad. And yeah, really, and that's what I've been enjoying listening to this week. Guitar practice-wise, uh, I've, I've done almost none because I just haven't had mm-hmm. the time to. But what I have tried to um, is try and organise uh, myself a little bit better so that when I do find half an hour to practice or whatever, I've got some material to draw from. And, you know, so trying to give myself... You know, know like a list of things that i could practice in half an hour so when i get the chance to i'm making use of that time rather than that's a good idea like a little to-do list so you're not kind of sitting there going in the mood for playing guitar what am i going to do and then you end up just playing with pedals and and working on tone and then going i haven't actually practiced anything i'm just exactly yeah Yeah. exactly so so yeah so yeah pretty good week for me um but what are we talking about this week then, Kieran? So, uh, your favourite subject, are you please? Well, it, it is. It is my kind of favourite <laughs> subject. So, um, only because uh, it is both a pleasure and a sickness. So, uh, like, so in episode nineteen, we we covered. Um, uh, some very practical stuff, right? All the incidental items and gig bag essentials that you need to get gig ready again after lockdown and stay out of trouble in a in a gigging emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week, I think we need to take a departure from the very practical and very logical things that we discussed in episode nineteen and get back to <laughs> the, get get back to the much more desirable and emotional and and sometimes downright foolish uh, stuff of what we all have to some extent which is uh, this gear acquisition syndrome and buying and acquiring shiny new toys uh, so i think i think i think we should i think we should broach the subject today and uh, it'd be really good because we come at it yeah. from different different perspectives um, i think i, I do think acquisition syndrome uh, or gas uh, is a it's a it's a thing right it's a real thing yeah, for it's definitely for, a thing it is isn't it right we <laughs> and i want to get into why may I, I mean it's not a therapy session although these podcasts are turning into a bit, a bit like therapy <laughs> yeah, for me it probably is okay yeah no, let's be honest it probably is a bit of a cathartic therapy session and you're well, you just hit the nail on the head by the way I, you, you, you just hit the nail on the head when you said it's a sickness and a pleasure or, or whichever right. one it was that's right. so true. It really is, isn't it? It's a torture. It's a kind of sweet torture. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's so we're going to get into that a little bit today, and and maybe maybe uh, we can coach each other on on the right the right way to this to this illness. I mean, like for some people, if you're like Joe Bonamassa and you have the ability to go out on on global uh, gear safaris and literally buy everything that your your heart desires, then then great. Um, but I don't think it, I, I think this affects everyone from the likes of Bonamassa all the way down to 
uh, the kind of impoverished student, which which I was for yeah. many years, like dreaming about a first, you know, guitar in that guitar shop window, that kind of Wayne's World moment where you kind of walk in mm. and you look at it and you go, oh, one, one, one day... She will be mine, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have the means to, means to do it. Uh, so, look, I mean, look, we're all searching for tone improvements. We all like gadgets. I think as as musicians, we all like the latest gadgets, so we get tempted by that. There's so much coming out, uh, you know, on the market all the time, and you know, we all aspire to sound like our idols and use what they play and. You know, it's so that is all wrapped up in it. But mm. I think we should have a chat about, you know, what's healthy, what's normal, you know, what. Um, but more importantly, maybe, maybe <laughs> the way to healthy. get <laughs> it's not is it. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm trying to justify some of it, yeah, but I can, no, it I already know, I already know there's no justification, and you're gonna level me at some point in this conversation with really, Kieran. What do you actually need to get out there and gig? Right. And, and play live. Cause that's what, what we fundamentally anchor our discussions around. Right. Fine. If you've yeah. got, if you've got all the space in the world at home and, you know, uh, an endless wallet, uh, then fine. Buy as much gear as you want. Right. But mm-hmm. in, re- in, the, in real practical terms, as, a, as gigging guitarists, uh, not pro musicians, but kind of, you know, weekend guitarists playing in kind of semi pro bands or, mm-hmm. or really good kind of amateur pub bands, wedding bands, fun- function bands. What do we, what do you really need in term, in terms of gear? And what is then on top of that just gear acquisition that I think we, we might get into, get into a bit of that as well. So are you talking about the potential like Buddhist approach to, to guitar playing here, right? <laughs> of, you know, of just just what is the minimum, the minimalist approach to uh, to to what we need? Because because that that's not a very big list of stuff, is it? You know, well really? for you it, for you it's not right. No. And, and I and I think if, if if there was a Buddha of this, you certainly sat underneath I'm that cr- yeah. that Bodhi tree and reached Nirvana a long time ago, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm the kind of, um, I'm, I'm not the antithesis of somebody who has gas. I have it. Mm. I just, mm. I just don't have the, 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 the part of it at the end that actually hands over the cash, <laughs> you know, <laughs> being, being inherently tight, you know, I, I'm kind of, I, you know, I am very much I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to treating myself to things mm. because you know, for me, if I don't really need something, I do find it hard to justify things to myself. So I do tend to take a, a that kind of, you know, Buddhist approach <laughs> to, yeah. you know, just having the things I really need. But yeah. it doesn't mean I don't covet lots of, of, I mean, I, you know, I wish I had a wall, you know, with seven guitars behind me. You know, I don't. It's just the two that, that I currently own. But yeah, but yeah, what do you really need? To, to go gigging and it is basically just well it depends what gig you're doing right if you're in a rock band you just need a guitar yeah. and an amp that you like yeah. the sound of um maybe a couple of channels on the amp so you can switch between things if you're doing function gigs you need to have something that allows you to get a variety of tones and right. that might be from multiple guitars multiple pedals and things like that so that's i mean in my mind that's basically it but you still, uh, even in your mind, which <clears throat> you have a level of comfort and practical approach to gigging, which is is minimalist and mm. uh, and and serves a purpose because you're an accomplished player and you can get the tones that you need from from modest gear and um, it, it doesn't impact in any way, shape, or form. <clears throat> a lot of us. Um, 
also kind of dig into or delve into the, the, the gear acquisition because we're constantly chasing for that sound that's in our head or mm-hmm. sometimes to compensate because we, we kind of need something or want something that we feel is going to help us out to make us a better player or to make us sound better you know, better than we are potentially. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, <clears throat> I think yeah, it's fair to say that there is no compromise or there is no um, making up for spending that time and even money in, in, in the way of getting some, some lessons or some help, you know, from, from a good guitar teacher, that that's the biggest yeah. investment you can make. And that's where you should really absolutely. spend your money. In yourself. But, but yeah, absolutely. But you know, it doesn't stop us lusting after um, this all of this this gear I, I don't know do you think other musicians have this do, is it is it i mean i, I know bass players yeah. to some extent yeah uh, when i speak to bass players <clears throat> and I, I speak to some drummers who have it hang on but it's not like you they speak to bass players <laughs> i speak to bass players and drummers yeah. <laughs> well i kind of sign language to drummers really they prefer <laughs> that kind of medium <laughs> It's, it's kind of more pictorial based, I think, isn't it? <laughs> Semaphore, whatever it's called. Uh, anyway, but you sorry. don't you don't you don't see drummers going around like buying seventeen drum kits, do you? It's just not practical or, or necessary. No, so no, I, I, I uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know actually. I think some keys players maybe. If they're into synths and things like that, I'm sure a lot of people that have home studios yeah, have gear acquisition syndrome, yeah. constantly buying mics For and preamps sure. and all kinds of things like that, mm. plugins and stuff like that, software all the time. I'm sure those guys do, but yeah. It's a, I think it's a unique thing for guitarists. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Um, I think it's probably a number of reasons. Um, I think, I think there's always this quest for the tone that you're trying to emulate. I think, I think that's probably part of it, right? So if I buy some different gear, then, um, it will give me the sound that I'm looking for, which I think, I think that's a bit of a, I think that's a bit of a, a false kind of, uh, prophecy in many ways, because you've got to take that gear. Uh, from that video that you've seen of somebody or from that live concert that you've seen of somebody playing it and you've got to assimilate it into your own rig. And, you know, that's making a big assumption Mm -hmm. that it's going to slot into your rig in the same way that it does in theirs or sound as good Mm -hmm. at the volumes that you're going to be playing it if we're talking about amps or, or pedals or whatever. So I think... I think that's a kind of, oh, it's, it, it's a nice idea, but I think that's more yeah. just based on trying to sound like your idols and emulate the gear that they've got and, and have what they've got to try and get to their sound And when really, yeah. you know, yeah. um, spending some time learning their style, understanding what, what makes their sound from a, a theory perspective sound like it, like it does is, yeah. is going to get you closer to their tone than going and buying their yeah. signature pedal. Uh, but it doesn't I stop think me you're doing right. it. <laughs> no, exactly. And this is what I was going to say. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's that search for the improvement in sound or the sound that's in your head, like you say. Mm. Mm. But I don't think gas goes away when you get that. I think it still remains. I think it's a, a disease. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's I think you're right. Sorry to interrupt this super interesting conversation. However, if you've made it this far, maybe you should subscribe to the Guitar Smarts podcast. Go and do that now, and then let's get right back to it. I actually have a little bit of a theory as well, is that um, I think 
I think part of gas is because playing guitar or gigging, performing, is such a massively sensory event. Sure. That gas is also part of feeding into that that sensory event. I mean, think about it. When when you're gigging or playing guitar, it's it's the way everything sounds. It's mm. how everything you have affects the sound. So you, mm. it's your hearing. It's the way the guitar feels how comfortable it is. So it's your touch, it's touching pedals on the floor with your feet and how that changes, you know, it's the interaction with the audience. It's what you see. It's the way it's such a sensory event that I think a lot of the reasons why um, we have gas is because, you know, we covet things that um, feed into that event, you know, feed into that sensory, you know, overload that we have when we're playing guitar. So that's kind of, that's where I think gas comes from a lot of the time. And same when you see other guitarists, you know, and, you know, I mean, obviously take a guitarist like, um, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan, mm. you watch him play guitar. <laughs> I just literally, do you know what I just said in my head then? I, I, I literally, my voice in my head said, say somebody other than Steve Lukather for once, will you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I just like, jumped straight to Stevie Ray Vaughan. Went, went um, to another Steve, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. But like, you know, you watch people like him play and you, yeah. you covet their stuff, but it's because it's such a sensory kind of experience. That's, that's what I think is kind of partly responsible for gear acquisition syndrome is that mm. the fact that it's such a, such an experience playing guitar. Um, you know, it's, it's a more muscular thing, isn't it? For guitar it's, you know, it's it, well, I'm saying muscular thing. You think of a keys player or somebody, you know, everything's very linear. You're sat down doing what you want to do. And as a guitarist, you're almost wrestling with your instrument all the time, aren't you? It's much uh, more kind of uh, difficult to play in a way. So I think that feeds into it. But I think it's I think it's healthy. I only said earlier on it's not healthy. I think it is healthy, you know, to ha- to want things and, you know, unless it, you know, bankrupts you, which it shouldn't. But Yeah, 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 yeah. No, <clears throat> yeah, I think then that's clearly like a like like a proper proper illness but what we're just talking about is spending additional money on that instead of you know clothes for your children i think that's fine i think that's okay (laughs) (laughs) they can have hand-me-downs that's all right isn't it (laughs) trousers can become shorts it's okay trousers can become shorts Shoes can become exactly. uh, flip flops or, or kind of you know sandals. Yeah, Just cut the cut, exactly. cut the toes off That's at the it. end. It's fine. Cut the toes off and order yourself some brand new strings or you know a new pickup. It's That's okay. It. <laughs> this is how we find money for these things. It's uh, <laughs> not a problem really. Just yeah, that that is when it is unhealthy. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and and I'm definitely not there. Um, but I do also just look at guitars and get that. And this, I can't be alone, right? Because there are people that collect guitars and don't even play. But I look at, I can look at some guitars and go, oh, that just looks really nice. I I covet it before I've even picked it up and played it. That's that's a weird thing, right? And so I was talking to somebody yeah. else recently who. Um, who just said, you know, um, my my partner loves looking at them and and likes, you know, having them around the house. And you know, they don't play, but they just look at them as pieces of art. And they go, well, we could put a canvas or a picture on that wall, or we could put a couple of couple of beautiful uh, guitars which look incredible. So I think there's yeah. an aesthetic. There's also an aesthetic which is kind of visually appealing, as well as this mm. whole kind of realm of 
you know, I want to, I, I want to emulate somebody. I want to sound like somebody. There's this whole emotional connection because my senses have been kind of triggered and, and I'm kind of wanting to, to keep, keep, you know, that endorphin rush going by getting more gear yeah. like you've described. I think, you know, I think there's something just very visually attractive about, about some of this gear. Uh, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting slightly too excited. Aren't I? I you need to be careful. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to, Matt, I'm about to go and buy something. Stop me! Just go and quickly throw your wallet out the window, quick before something happens. Um, you're absolutely right, though. It is because yeah. because, and I'm sure that a lot of people as well, especially over this last year, have been um, kind of. I bet there's a lot of people who would usually never buy a guitar without going to a music store and actually buying the guitar who have who have still made purchases over this last year without trying guitars mm. because they're, they, they're just, you know, they kind of satisfy that need to have something new. They've seen something that aesthetically, you know, pleases them. Um, and, you know, they, they, they've just got to have it kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So, so, so we've established that we probably all have this to some, to some extent. And, uh, we've also probably established that if you want to think with your head, then probably take that money and time and invest it into yourself and getting better at playing. But if you're, if you're going to do what we often do, which is think with our, our hearts and our guts, then mm-hmm. it's not going to end anytime soon. So we're going to we're going to keep we're going to keep buying <laughs> buying stuff. I think. Yeah. Uh, um, what do you really need as a gigging guitarist? Well, you know, you need a nice amp. You need a good guitar. You probably need a, spe- a second spare guitar, and yeah. you need some pedals or a multi effects unit that's going to give you the sound that, that you like. That's the basics, yeah. right? But we keep. <clears throat> we keep swapping these things. Well, there's two there's two schools of thought maybe to, to what you need as a gigging guitarist, right? And I think this is where you and I come at it from different perspectives. <clears throat> You're very sensible and um, you have like a one-in, one-out policy oftentimes where you will change out your entire rig. And so you'll sell mm-hmm. all your stuff or you'll you'll sell bits of it in chunks and then reacquire new stuff. And you have a nice philosophy at turning over your your gear and your live rig. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of, but still workable. Um, whereas for myself and and some others, it's like, well, we don't, I think the guitar that I'm selling now, mm. I, ca- I can't recall the last time I ever sold a piece of gear. So I just literally wow. have it. So yeah, this is the first thing that I've sold <laughs> guitar related probably in two decades. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, mate, there's, wow. um, there's, there's drawers and cabinets in this room, like filled with, like I could build a guitar. I've got, I've got spares for everything. I've got, I've got full sets of Seymour Duncan pickups, Gibson pickups. Like I've got machine heads. I've got all the electrics and stuff. There's, there's, uh, there's just stuff that I've acquired, not in a not in a like weird yeah. hoarding way where you can't no. like walk around the place. It's all it's all beautifully organised and tidy, mm-hmm. but it's it's stuff that's just just there. I mean, like, why didn't I sell like some of those pickups when mm. I took them out of guitars and, and decided that the ones I'd put in were better? I don't know. Mm. It's always that kind of well, I might I might put that into a guitar someday, so I'll keep it. But yeah, then you end up well, with like twelve sets of spare, pi- spare pickups. Yeah. <laughs> And that's absolutely fine, though, because that's still part of the process of improving what you have and wanting to, you know, better your sound. Um, 
and I think I think my approach is is has always been fine as well because that is something I've I've done to just justify the change to myself is well if I'm going to check if I'm mm. going to spend money on something um I don't want the the things that I'm then not going to use to uh to not be used because yeah. you know I know in my mind if I change my rig the 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 outgoing part of things isn't going to get used yeah I might go back to it but I'd rather somebody else have it in that time. I, I get a little bit of cash back. And if I decide yeah. to go back to it, I'll just buy another one. It's not like everything I buy is some unique hand-built thing that is only for me. If I did buy something that was only only for me and completely unique, I'd never sell it. Um, mm. So I kind of, I, you know, it is a little bit of a Buddhist approach. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Isn't it? It's very but philosophical. Let go of things, you know, that, that you know you don't need. Um, but it is also, the reason yeah. for that is also to kind of get over my own problem, which is I find it hard to justify things to myself if yeah. I know I truly don't need it when, you know, I'm kind of, you know, there's lots of other things on a list that could be paid for or saved for that might benefit the entire family because, you know, my five-year-old son doesn't benefit from me having you know, a new overdrive pedal on my board or anything. Not that it would, not that he'd, he'd lose something if I did. It's just kind yeah. of like, you yeah. know, my, there's a there's a voice in my head that always says, yeah, but you could spend that money elsewhere kind of thing. Um, so selling things to get into, you know, one-in-one out policy helps me to kind of keep that, you know, self-deprecating voice at bay, if you like. That's interesting. That, this yeah. is going to turn into therapy now. What a, lovely human, what a lovely human being you are to think so broadly about your family's needs above your own. Uh, yeah. No, and there is, I'm, I'm not, uh, yeah, that, there, that is really, that is really uh, lovely. And, and I think, um, you know, clearly you would be justified in making some of those purchases that, that you've, that you've withheld from, um, but you don't. And I yeah. think that shows an amend, a tremendous amount of self-restraint and, 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 and discipline, which is, which is really good, but um, yeah, mm. uh, you you must still lust after some gear where you go, yeah, I really want to, oh, I, I really want to get. It's not, yeah, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not like don't get me wrong. It's not like I don't have this problem. I'm right, just not right. making the purchases. It's just like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah. like, it's like it's it's almost kind of like I have. Um, you know, some kind of eating disorder, but I'm not <laughs> not throwing up at the end of it. It's, it's, I don't know how else to describe it without being. You know, but anyway, it's yeah. I do consider myself to have gear acquisition syndrome. I'm just not. I do all the coveting. I'm just not doing the purchasing. Well, know? I think you. I think you demonstrate a tremendous amount of self restraint. So you know, you. Yeah. I think you sent me pictures this week, right, of your pedal board for that you're going to be getting gig ready, right? And you've and yeah. you've made a decision, and you've you've kind of said, right, I'm taking this off the board, this off the board, and here's the new board, and there's some spaces here, and I think I need this pedal here, this pedal here. So so you've got to buy those pedals now. So you, you're going to be making some purchases at some point soon. Yeah, absolutely. But the stuff that's coming right. off the board is going to end up on eBay. You know, it's not yeah. going to go in a, in yeah. a cupboard or anything in case I need it down the line. It's, um, yeah. well, if I need it down the line, I'll just buy another one. Um, yes, yeah, that's, 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 that's such a holistic way to view the world. Like there's another <laughs> one of those out there and if it was meant for me, then it shall return. And yeah. that's brilliant. Whereas I'm more like the Joe Bonamassa side of things without the, the multi-millions yeah. and the bank account where I'm like, these are my, these are my precious things. My yeah. my precious, they will they will live in my precious cave, and um, and, and I will slowly just yeah so withdraw into my into myself. Really. Yeah, I'm yeah I, I'm Gollum to your Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> Never before oh, eaten our smartest. Look at it. I oh, know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I am the golem to your Buddha. Right, oh, absolutely dear. brilliant. I mean, the other thing I would say, though, is that drives this. And again, it's, it's, it's probably uh, a fallacy, is mm. I like to try and think that by having these different bits of kit and different bits of gear that I've got options, right? I've got yeah. options. Yeah. So if I get, <clears throat> if, I'm pl- if I'm doing a gig that is, you know, depping for a kind of more eclectic kind of function set, then mm-hmm. I know that I've got a rig that I can put together that will satisfy that. And I'll go, right, it's going to be that guitar, um, these pedals, and that'll, that'll get me the sound that I need um, with this yeah. amp. And if it's a case of, well, I'm going to be playing some more rock stuff or, you know, whatever. Okay, it's going to be this guitar, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. um, even having said that, that would probably just mean two or three guitars. But I didn't. <laughs> I've kind of talked myself out of the logic of that, that <laughs> one, I think. I think. I think the point of having options expired a long time ago. But yeah. <laughs> No, I think it's good to have options. I mean, I, the ideal situation for me is that I would have a couple of rigs at least. Mm. Um, yeah. What I would eventually like to have is um, the rig I currently have, um, which, or, or at least is that I will have shortly because I'm trying to update it, which will basically be like a, a rock band stroke kind of function band rig, which will be, you know, a decent, a decent sounding overdriven amp that I will probably, you know, just have you know, a couple of drive sounds and a compressor. Actually, one thing I mean, we haven't spoken about before, but one thing I like to do with a compressor is use it to mm. bring my level down of the mm-hmm. guitar so that it cleans up my amp. Um, you know, the clean sound for me, I like... Paul Gilbert does it. I can see some videos of him on YouTube doing it, but Paul Gilbert, when he plays live, he generally has an overdriven Marshall amp and he'll have a compressor, which compresses his sound, but the output level on the compressor is right down, so it reduces the signal going into the amp. So he ends up with a cleaner sound without as much of a volume dip because now the compressor's maintaining a kind of signal. So that's what I like to do um, with an amp. Um, if I've got a compressor, is use the compressor to give me my clean sound. So actually the amp is set to kind of this rock sound, rock rhythm sound. Compressor is my clean and then overdrive pedals for that. But what I would like to do also eventually is get myself something like a Helix or a Headrush mm. board mm. because uh, in, I, I'm not in a band anymore, but what I, most of my gigs tend to be depth gigs for wedding bands um, and function yeah. bands. And um, and I just, you know, I prefer to turn up to those when I when I can know in advance that the sound that's happening is in-ear monitors mm-hmm. uh, with a decent sound engineer, um, then I'd just rather turn up with a guitar and a Helix yeah. or something and just yeah. not have a cab or anything to carry, just plug straight into the Helix. The sound guy can take a DI out from the Helix and get the sound into the desk that way. And I can just program function type sounds you know, decent quality yeah. sounds from, from a Helix. Yeah. Kind of like what you used to do with, when you were running kind of Line 6 stuff um, yeah. years ago, that kind of thing. So that's what I'd ideally like to have, the kind of, you know, the user-friendly, easy gig rig, you know, for the for the functions mm. and stuff, and mm. something with, a you know, a, an amp behind me for, you know, getting the trousers flapping in the wind for a rock <laughs> kind of or blues gig kind of thing. That's what I'd like to have eventually. That sounds really sensible. That sounds really sensible. Um, so... What what are some of the um, best choices that you've made over the years? Then, do you think in terms of purchasing? Mm. Yeah, what what are some of the things where you go that in terms of gear acquisition, 
I'm I'm delighted to have spent the money and <clears throat> enjoyed that 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 piece of gear. Be it be it yeah. a guitar, be it an amp, or be it be it a pedal. What 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 what's your kind of favourite gear that you've owned or still own over the years? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the guitars part of that because mm-hmm. I've actually mm-hmm. never really. I've bought I've I've bought guitars before when I was a lot younger, but over the last kind of mm. twenty years or so, the, my two main electric guitars have been gifts, you know. So yeah. I can't really speak about those. I love those guitars. Um, I would like other guitars, but I know those will always kind of be the number one guitars. But for me, amps wise, I've had a few amps, uh, and the best some of the best amps I've owned are things like I've had a Tech Twenty One Trademark Sixty, which is that sounds sleeper. It's a sleeper. Oh, it's solid state. Tech 21, Trademark 60 watt analog amp. It's not digital. It was an analog solid state mm-hmm. amp. Uh, and I gigged with that for years um, and it sounded superb. Kind of a fender channel and a Marshall-y channel. I just used the Fender channel. Superb pedal platform. I'd have another one of those now. Um, you got rid of that, didn't you? I, I did. Actually, yeah. Uh, again, oh. in and out kind of policy. I got rid of it, uh, wow. it but it was knackered though. It had seen a lot of gigs. Was it? It's so reliable. Mm. Never once broke. And I left that out in the rain once when I was cleaning out oh, my yeah. van. I, 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 yeah. I was when I was working out of a van once, um, I had it in the back of the van and I pulled it out of the van. I was spent about 15 minutes rooting around in the van, trying to find stuff for work. And I came out and it had been raining and I hadn't realized. Um, and it got soaked and I had a gig that weekend and it worked absolutely perfectly. Just so reliable. I mean, a lot of people talk about solid state amps not being as good as valve amps. Um, and I think valve amps sound fantastic. I think they do have, Mm -hmm. you know, a better sound in a lot of ways, but people need to get on board with solid state, um, technology these days it's so much better than it used to be um i remember that hearing that um, 60 was great it honestly it was mate i remember when you first showed me it and um i i couldn't believe that it was solid state and you kind of schooled me on that and you were like well you know solid state isn't i mean and i've been playing solid state stuff for a, for a number of years right I'd, mm. i've only i'd only recently started to get into into valve amps so I was I was kind of definitely a proponent of solid state and not a snob in any way because I'd owned some really mm. nice solid state gear that that had kept me gigging quite happily for for many years, um, but having moved over to kind of valve and getting my ear attuned to to kind of how valve amps and things sound, I couldn't believe the sound that was coming out of that Tech Twenty One wasn't wasn't valve. It just had some of those dynamics and, and yeah. kind of things that that you associate with a with a nice valve amp, and it was coming out of this thing. It was stunning. Stunning amp. And it was super lightweight, you know, really easy to, to work with, you know, not nothing complicated EQ-wise or anything like that. Um, it was just a great amp. I, I missed that. I would have another one of those um, in a heartbeat if I dropped on the right deal. Um, yeah. I, I, I've also had the classic old Fender Hot Rod Deluxe 1x12, mm. Uh, mm. which, again, I loved. I got rid of that because um, I wanted an easier life. I didn't want to carry around a big heavy... Mm. And it's not heavy in the greater scheme of things. I know there's heavier mm. valve amps, but for me, you know, I just a lot of the time, like I said, I'm doing gigs that I don't really want to do. It's wedding gigs. They're not. Yeah. It's not music I like. It's not. I'm doing it because it's guitar playing. Uh, it gets me out and it earns a little bit of money. But I want an easier yeah. life for those gigs. Um, yeah. So yeah, those those two are, were, were really great amps, um, and I've had other amps as well. Um, I want. I bought a Jet City. Do you remember Jet City amplifier? I do remember Jet City. Yeah, which was kind of like a Soldano owned company, kind of uh, right. lauded as like Mike Soldano designed amps. But mm. Um, mm. I don't know how true that is. But I once bought a twenty watt vintage 
style head from Jet City and one of the 1x12 cabs. And that worked out kind of super cheap in terms of, you know, the the, the outlay for having that kind of that amplifier. And it sounded good. It was a good pedal platform. But again, head and a cab to a gig. I just wanted a little yeah. bit of an easier life. And I dropped on this yeah. deal for this hot rod deluxe from a friend. So I thought I'll sell that um, and, yeah, go from there. What about yeah. yourself, amp wise? In, uh, in terms of well, choices. in terms of best, in terms of best gear, um, yeah, I think. I mean, some of, some of the stuff is like the, the best one, and not just for kind of sentimental value, but the best one of the best guitars I've ever owned and still own is my first Epiphone Les Paul. Um, because back in those days, it was still you know a, a considered purchase as a student. You know, it was it was you know, 400, yeah. 400 pounds, $500 back then. Um, and as a first electric guitar, I could have got something cheaper, but I'd, I'd kind of really had my eye on this and it, and it, I couldn't afford a Gibson. Of course, that was just extortionate money back then, mm. you know, 16 years old. Um, and I could have bought some cheaper guitars. Um, but I think it was a good choice because it was a nice build quality and price point that it allowed me to get out there and have a really reliable gigging guitar that served me mm-hmm. for years and years. I mean, that guitar has been gigged yeah. more than any of my guitars. And for that reason alone, you know, it was a great gear choice because it was clearly, um, you know, versatile enough and could do all of the things that I wanted to for many years without, yeah. without needing needing more than that. And then in terms of other best gear, things like the guitar that I that I made that I went on a course to make, not again just because of sentimental value, but because actually that ended up turning out as a really, really great guitar. And yeah. so I would definitely advocate for people thinking about gear acquisition and what to buy next. And then particularly if you're looking at a guitar, go and go and build one. Go on some of these courses and build one. Uh, you'll learn a whole mm-hmm. bunch of new skills. You'll end up with a guitar that has incredible sentimental value. But actually what I found is you end up with a guitar that because you've selected all the component bits that you want is you end up with a guitar that works for you for what you wanted mm. to do in a light, in a, mm. you know, performing setting. So yeah. that, that one has, has really been a, a, a best gear choice. Um, and then, uh, I think probably my first Les Paul, my first Gibson Les Paul was a great choice because I got it for a really good price. The guitar shop did a really good deal on it. I got it mm-hmm. new. Um, I managed to hunt through a few of them. And this was at a time where Gibson quality control was still, um, you know, being talked about as suspect, but I found this one and I think it's just a great example. And it's a really lovely playing guitar that has continued to be, um, you know, something, something that I've enjoyed playing. So yeah, if you, again, yeah. the, I guess the moral of that story is if you, if you, if you go to buy something like that, that's got a decent price tag on it and you find one, that's a really great example. And you go, brilliant. This, this one is mm. is the one that I've been after. Then, then it'll be a, a, a good choice in terms of amps and things. You know, I, I haven't owned a, a huge amount of, of amps, but um, I've owned probably I don't know maybe half a dozen over the years. Mm. I think the best the best one is is that Fender Blues Deluxe that I've owned uh, and continue to own as my main gigging amp. It's got plenty of headroom. Yeah. It's forty watts. It's plenty loud enough. I can I can get You've all my Fender. I have yeah, and I think you yeah. know what I think the modding is the bit that's made it stand the test of time. I was a yeah. little bit uncomfortable with some of the high end response on it. Um, mm. when I first got it, it was a great sounding amp, but when you wound it up to gigging volumes, particularly, it mm. was, it was a little bit harsh on the, on the high, uh, frequencies. 
And then I did a bit of research online and I heard a lot of people talking about the fact that the amp is great. It's just the stock eminent speaker in it, which to some people can be quite harsh. So mm. um, I, I modded it out. I, I didn't do the work myself. I'm really competent at doing guitar stuff, but amps I always entrust to, to somebody that knows what they're doing because they carry a lot of, mm. of, of, of current and voltage. And you, if you don't know what you're doing, yeah, you can, can, you can hurt yourself. Yeah. So took it to a really nice guy. I did my research, put a different speaker in it. <clears throat> Um, the Cannabis Rex uh, eminent speaker rather than the stock one. And my God, it transformed the amp. And that I was just like, yep, yeah, that's it. It's fixed all yeah. of those issues. Um, and then I can just stick pedals in front of it if I want to, if I yeah. want it to sound like a different amp. Um, so yeah, that amp sounds fantastic. Yeah. My memory of that amp is just how it's got this just beautiful, smooth mid range, you mm. know, like you would expect, mm. you know, you can kind of, you know, it does sound like a proper fender, you know, and a lot of people, yeah. You know, yeah. as much as people love that Hot Rod series or that Blues Deluxe series of amps that's kind of in that sub-thousand-pound bracket, mm. um, a mm. lot of people do say, you know, they don't really sound like Fenders. Mm. Um, you mm. know, that's one of the reasons why they're so popular is because they're actually, they're not that, they're not all that Fender-sounding, but yours mm. really does. That change of speaker cabinet really yeah. makes it sound like a Fender Tweed amp. Um, it does. It's, it's awesome. I think it's great. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, a little simple mod. I know a lot of people use those Hot Rod Deluxes or those Blues Deluxes, but... Have a, and even on the Blues Junior, the Blues Junior is a very easy speaker to swap out um, because you don't have to take the full chassis apart. You can get to the speaker quite easily on a Blues Junior, most of them, particularly yeah. the earlier more, earlier variants. So yeah, have a, have a play play with the speaker, and you can you can create a very different amp and a nicer sounding amp for not not a lot of money. Um, the Spark Amp, I'm still loving. I think that's a great practice tool for home, and it's enabled me to to use it as a kind of digital interface for recording into the computer. So yeah. I think again, that was a great piece of gear that, that I'm that I'm pleased with. And then in terms of pedals and things, I mean, yeah, I'm not as wedded to pedals i haven't sold any i still keep acquiring them but um uh, <laughs> pedals that surprised me that that wish clon pedal i think is superb um the proco rat i think is such a great pedal that doesn't mm. get talked about enough maybe it does get talked about i don't know you don't you don't see people waxing lyrical about it in the same way that they do with like a tube screamer and stuff but the the rat pedal is just a great pedal um but there's loads, there's loads of, there's loads of good gear choices. Um, the rat pedal surprised me. I wasn't expecting to be as blown away as I was with, uh, how cool the, the, the Proco rat is. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's a few, there's a few good things that line six pod XT that served me really well for many years. Um, and just having all that versatility in a floor based multi effects. Um, so I think there's quite a lot of gear that I've owned that I've been really pleased with, but, um, there's also gear that I've owned over the years, which is kind of like, and I and I have got rid of and sold um, a long time ago. Um, mm. But I was just like, mm, that wasn't a great a great choice. So yeah, yeah um, I have bought some stuff that I regretted and then and then got rid of it. Uh, you do you do that a lot, but I think uh, in terms of guitars, in terms of guitars, I bought a I bought a Fender Japanese Strat in an in inverted commas i was i was naive i didn't really know what i was buying i was quite young at the time and i wanted a, i wanted a strat and couldn't afford an american one and the fender strat uh, the japanese ones were getting a lot of kind of prey as as they rightly should they're incredible the the, the, the guitars that come out of japan are, are beautifully made yeah um across a whole range of manufacturers not just fender 
um, and some some guy uh, basically down the pub had convinced me that this was a Fender Japanese Strat and I should buy it. <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I did, if only because it looked like Clapton's Blackie. Uh, it was like, it was that. And I was really? like, yeah, I, w- I want that. So I parted with my hundreds of pounds and then slowly realised over a period of time that that's, that's just a Frankenstein's monster of a Strat. I think the neck was uh, probably from a, a, a Japanese Fender strap yeah. the rest of it the rest of it was just cobbled together stuff and it it was a it was a bit of a nightmare that guitar i yeah buy the buy the buy the neck so that you've got the fender logo and then chuck a yeah. lot of cheap parts on it kind of thing that's a i think that's what i think that's what somebody had done and they and they saw yeah. me off definitely and i put a lot of money into that guitar trying to get it good i had yeah i had mm. it had a full refret it had it had yeah. uh, different pickups and all kinds of setups done to it to try and get mm. it to, to be good, to be good and it, and it wasn't so uh, amps wise yeah I lugged around a four by twelve and <laughs> you remember, remember. I remember oh, it so well four by twelve we were literally in in um, I think did you bring a four by twelve once to that that blues club we played in London that where Amy Winehouse what do you remember gigging there. I had in it. In, I do. I remember it was on Greek Street in Soho That's it. in That's London, it. and it was the the <laughs> club that Amy Winehouse made famous because she used to regularly gig there, and we'd got a gig yeah. there. And I remember having to drive on a Friday night after work with all my gear in the car into central London uh, and trying to find parking. Which yeah. and I had a decent sized car so it wasn't like this tiny little car and I was just like where the hell am I going to park this car in central London on Friday night ended up parking it in an underground car park in Chinatown yeah. and being charged like a fortune anyway that's an aside <laughs> and then got got to the met you at the venue and I was like wow this is a really really small club it's like it's, it was so small uh, wasn't wow. it it was ridiculous it was one of those where I think yeah. like my amp may have been on top of your amp Potentially, well, I didn't. I, I couldn't bring the four by twelve in and the head. No, so it stayed in the boot of the car, and I ended up using the house amp. There was a house guitar amp that there, like it, a yeah. little, like a little one by ten combo or something. <laughs> and I ended up using that, and you put your amp on top of mine because yeah, there was literally yeah, no stage, no stage space whatsoever. Um, it, it was like a long. <laughs> corridor of a club it was like it a, was, a, a galley it was like a galley yeah. it got busy and loads of yeah, it, got super it was busy, packed yeah. out with the yeah. 20 people you could fit in there <laughs> it's but, a good uh, night it was good i remember because i remember leading up to that gig we were all like wouldn't it be great to get some more gigs kind of in london or a blues club or something instead of yeah. kind of pubs out uh, in the in yeah. west and we got that gig and after that we were like mm, let's stick to yeah, what we do let's, let's, <laughs> it yeah then it took like two hours to get home and trying yeah. to load up at the end of the night that yeah. wasn't the gig that made me realise that a 4 by 12 was not the way forward anymore. That was, we did a gig, I don't know if you remember this one, it was again, it was in London, not mm. quite central, but it, I think it was Battersea area, so pretty yeah. central. Yeah. And it was a part, it was like a party boat or a party, like kind of barge. Do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah, of course I remember that well. But I remember trying to yeah. lug a 4 by 12 like up the... Up this, it was Battersea Barge. I remember That's trying it. to lug this four by twelve up this the gangplank to get onto the barge, like on the sliver. <laughs> Can you imagine that, right? And then, and then once I got onto the boat, like the the uh, the gig space, the uh, kind of function place was like on the lower deck. So I yeah. had to take this four by twelve on like one of those little narrow spiral boat staircases, yes. like. Yeah balancing it on my head i was like this is stupid why have i got this <laughs> why that must, yeah 
that was another good gig. And also, the, the other good thing is that, like, you had to kind of, I, I seem to remember setting up was slight, even slightly easier than packing down because by the time we were packing down, the tide yeah. had gone out slightly. And now the gangplank <laughs> was like this really steep kind of climb to get up back off the boat. Oh, God. Oh, I remember it that is game. it is events like that that do change your approach to gas, doesn't it? When you start thinking, it really, hey, yeah. this is great. I now have another reason to go yeah. out and look for new gear and things like that. That's it. It's, it. That's it. Cause, cause, <laughs> you don't justify yeah. by having what you have. Brilliant. No. I've got. Re- I'm sorry. I need to go out and buy a new amp because you know the, I almost slipped on the gangplank of a gig. I'll never do again. The four by twelve and Marshall head is fine, but not for those gigs. For those no. gigs, I need to go and buy another amp. So, so I, you know, exactly. You the justifications continue, right? <laughs> so yeah, I've made some. I've made some bad choices, but you know, yeah. what can I say? I, I before before that band, I was in a rock band and. I think when I went for the auditions for that band, they basically said to me, yeah, we liked your playing, you're in, mm. but you need to have a Marshall 4x12 if you want to be in this band. So I dutifully just went, yeah, all right, then fine, I'll go and get one. It was, it was yeah, uh, in hindsight. Oh, fair enough. Not, not, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, you mentioned you mentioned pedals earlier on. So for me, um, just, just kind of quickly going over like pedals that I've really liked, anything by TC Electronic for me has always been just super. You love TC, don't I just, you? I, yeah. I just think that stuff is really, really great. I, I find it yeah. kind of utilitarian in a way, mm. you know. Mm. Um, if you like, you know, some people want to go out and get the, you know, the expensive boutique stuff, you know, like the Chase Bliss Audio and all that stuff is just absolutely stunning, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's but it's a lot of money. Um, and if you're a pro guy, then obviously it's entirely justifiable. And if you can afford it, that's fine. But for me, I've always kind of looked at TC Electronics range of, of pedals and thought, you know, you're getting some serious heritage in these guys. These guys know what they're doing. You know, they're like boss, you know, um, whereas um, the, the cost of it is is just really kind of palatable and they make really, really good, good kit. Um, so that I like TC Electronic stuff. I've had some Tone City pedals as well in the past, which is also cheap stuff as well, um, but still sounding really good. And the Boss Blues Driver obviously is fantastic. Yeah, so lots of decent stuff pedal wise. One of the interesting things that you you put in the agenda was things that we've almost bought but glad we didn't, and things that we've almost bought and wish that we did. Um, yeah, what's on your list? For those things. So things that I wish uh, I'd bought um, and uh, and didn't. I think I've mentioned some of these in the previous podcast. So there was that Larive acoustic guitar, which I waxed lyrical about on our uh, Desert Island Gear episode that I regret not buying. There was that Martin uh, nylon uh, strung mm. uh, acoustic, which uh, I spent uh, a lost afternoon trying out in a guitar shop and still think is one of the nicest acoustic guitars I've ever played and I and I couldn't justify it so I didn't didn't buy it. St- oh, I borrowed a friend's Mark II Blues Junior once and he was looking to sell it and I tried it out and I just fell in love with it but at the time didn't have the means or the justification to buy another amp so I gave mm. it back to him but that was a great that was a great amp a great little you know small venue gigging amp or jam night amp that mark two blues junior is great and i and i tried a mark three one a little bit later and remember thinking this isn't as good as the mark two um yeah yeah so there's been a few there's been a few things there's been a few things um you know 
some plenty of Gibsons over the years where they released some particular Les Pauls that I kind of really thought, oh, they're, they're brilliant, but I couldn't afford it. So I always thought I was fine. You know, I'll buy mm. it later on when I've got some money and Gibson then stopped doing it or it didn't become part of their production line anymore. So you kind of, I kind of missed the boat on that. And they later turned out to be decent collector's guitars so that, you know, you're now paying through the nose for them, which I just won't do. Cause I remember when it was, you know, half that price, if, if not less. Yeah. And I just go, well, you know, I could, I should have bought it back then, but, but I didn't. Um, so yeah. What mm. about you? Anything that you wish you'd bought that you, that you, that you didn't buy? I, well, um, well, um, one of the things I'm glad I didn't that I almost did was a Gibson Les Paul studio. So it must be oh, about yeah. five years ago. I was in Anderton's uh, with Lucy, my right. wife, and um, yeah. just having a just having a mooch about because because we were in Guildford at the time. And yeah, it's probably longer than that. Actually, it must be six or seven years ago because it was before we had Daniel. Um, and they had a Gibson Les Paul studio. Uh, for sale for about 600 quid. I'm like, that's cheap. Because you can't get the studios for that now. I think the studios are about no, a grand. No, studio is about a grand now, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't even know if they're called the studio anymore. They might be like the classic or something like that. Um, I don't know the Gibson range very well. But um, they, it was only about 600 quid and I tried it out and it was lovely. And and kind of, I had the, you know, the go ahead, <laughs> you know. Nice. Kind of like, you know, if you want it, get it. Um, Great. And I just, I was just like, no, I, I had that thing again of like, I can't, oh. I can't do it. I can't, I could, I could buy it, but I'm not going to. It's silly to kind of spend the money on it. And I'm glad I didn't actually, because I don't think I really, liked the guitar i think i was just looking for something that was retainable with a gibson badge on it do you right. know what i mean i was kind of like I, do. I don't think i really like it so i'm glad i didn't because i i think if i'd have bought that i'd always be looking at it thinking well you're just like a, a poor man's gibson in a way it's, it's I, it, 600 pound would get me a much better epiphone than it would have got me you know a gibson so so yeah so i kind of i'm glad i didn't do that because i almost did mm. Uh, but mm. things things I almost bought that I regret not getting, um, and I've probably mentioned this before, was a, a Gretsch. So this was, again, I was in music shop in Epsom, yeah. I was in Guitar Guitar, and mm. I tried out this Gretsch that Lucy pointed out, and I, I was kind of like, mm, it seems okay. She, she, she's got this incredible ability to kind of point out guitars that I yeah. might not necessarily think I like, and then I try them out, and I'm just, I fall completely in love with them. Um, huh. And she pointed out this Gretsch, and I and I didn't get it, but I still plan on getting it um, probably this year. Um, uh, so those those are the two main That's things cool. for me. Nothing else really, but that that Gretsch. It's, cool. it's a G fifty six twenty two T in Georgia green. That's the one. Yeah, that's nice. the one I want. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think you're right on that studio. Uh, I think they are great guitars. Yeah, but I think they are still. I think. Definitely now, and, and Gibson do still do a studio range. I think they call it Studio Tribute or something like that. But they still do a range yeah. of of Gibsons where they're a bit stripped back, and they you know mm-hmm. they haven't got the binding. They've got like slightly cheaper hardware, maybe some kind of you know ceramic pickups rather than than yeah. you know Alnico pickups or whatever. I've played some of the studios. And I think they're really nice guitars and you still get that kind of nitro finish on them and you get the Gibson logo and things. But, you know, there are other guitar manufacturers that are doing, let's just say it, Les Paul designs, which um, for that same money, especially now that yeah. Gibson are charging about a thousand 
pounds, so maybe what twelve hundred, thirteen hundred dollars for a studio, yeah. um, rather than a full fat Les Paul like the classic or the the kind of fifties or sixties standards that they call them now, or what they used to call the traditional model a few years ago. I think you know there's there's other manufacturers, uh, yeah. which is a nice segue actually. Uh, well, so so in terms of things that I almost bought so i've been telling you for a while that i've had this dream guitar on order right yeah yeah have you bought it now well i've i've had a holding deposit on it yeah since september 2020 so we're coming up for what nine months is that yeah. Of this being on order, and right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna and come I still, clean. And I still had, a, I've got, to say, I still had a, an, um, a, a theory in my head as to what the guitar was. It was one of two right. guitars. All right, do you, wanna, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to tell me? Yeah, and, and I'll okay. tell you if you're right because I'm, I'm going to tell you the story now. I'm going to tell you the All full right, story. So, okay, so I'm going to tell you now that I, I, I thought yeah. that maybe you'd gone for some of the one of the new model Silver Skies from PRS. Okay. Yeah, lovely. Or, or potentially one of Gibson's new slash Les Pauls in a particular in a particular Guns N' Roses finish. Those are the two that I thought. I, that's what I reckon it might have been. But anyway, <laughs> I love and hate that you know me so well. So you are you are right. You, you are right. right. You are you are really? right. You are right. I can't, I, so. right. Let me guess. It's the second one. It's the second one. It's the second one. And I, oh, I've got an so idea I what finish it is that you wanted, but I'm not going to... Go on, then. Go on. Double down. Double down. Right. So there's this... I'm going I'm to double down. So there was a... Of the multiple finishes, there were one of them, which I think is yeah. the nicest, is I think it's the November rain sunburst, which oh, is kind nice. of like a dark sunburst. Tobacco sunburst. That's, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I don't own a tobacco sunburst, Les Paul. No. Uh, and I've always wanted one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not that. Oh, okay. It's not that. Right. So let me, so let me tell you. So, um, and because, and because the November burst, as well as the kind of uh, appetite kind of burst and all of that, they came out in the first run of his, of his latest signature guitars. Right. So, but I didn't particularly like any of the finishes on, on the, on the kind of first run of those, um, latest slash signatures, if that makes sense. Slash has had a huge number of different signature models from Gibson over the years. Yeah. Many of which I, re- I regret not buying, but I just didn't have the money at the time. Yeah. Like, uh, I couldn't afford them at all. But now in kind of 2019, 2020, he's released a whole new range with Gibson uh, called the called the Slash Standard or, or, or whatever. And um, it came out in a few different finishes. And I was like, ah, oh, there's some really questionable finishes there. It's got, they've gone like a... Uh, They've got one which is supposed to be like the Appetite for Destruction uh, kind of Chris Derrick uh Gibson copy that he had, which is like a kind of yeah. very flamed lemon amber drop kind of colour, which is nice, but okay, it's it doesn't it doesn't do that much for me. I know people love that one. They did a November burst, which is like the tobacco, and then they did like a really weird uh, kind of red and green anaconda burst. I think, and people love them. That's cool, it, but yeah. just for me, it wasn't it wasn't the classic, right? So, um, I have always coveted. Uh, his gold top that he used to play oh, really? in, uh, and the gold top had um, had like this mythology around it in terms of <clears> no <throat> one quite knew what it was, and in, he, even Slash himself said it just sounded incredible. And he owns mm. hundreds of guitars, right? And, and it got stolen sometime in the eighties or nineties. I think it was in the nineties. It got it got stolen, and um, he's forever been trying to get that guitar back, and, and still hasn't. Um, so. I got rumour that there was a slash gold top coming out from this latest run of Gibson. And I was like, that's yeah. it. I'm, I'm all over that. <laughs> and uh, not because it had Slash's name on it. 
I must say. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I don't necessarily want a guitar that got his name on it. But what I was always after, because I thought they looked really cool and still think they do, is I wanted a dark back gold top. And yeah. all the all the gold tops Gibson have been doing for for years now have mm. all got that kind of very light uh, natural back. Yeah, yeah. And and I think there's something about a really nice dark wood grained back to a gold top that makes it look phenomenal. It just brings out the gold the gold top. Anyway, I'm getting I'm getting a little bit too erotic about the whole thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I had I had heard rumor that they were coming out. Mm-hmm. And about the same time, uh, a video went on YouTube from from a guy in the states, uh, Trogleys, who does a great guitar show, and and he uh, he proposedly got hold of one of these, which he thought was from the prototype run. It was accidentally sent to him. It wasn't what he ordered, and it turned out to be this 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 slash gold top. And he was like, "What is this? This isn't supposed to exist." So whether that was a PR stunt or not, we'll never know. Mm. But it, it kind of prompted me to to, to track down and see if this was going to be a production run of guitars, which it turned out that through speaking to my local guitar shop, they didn't know at the time, but they went and did some digging and they went and looked at some of the serial numbers of guitars that they had on order. And they said, yeah, we think this is coming based on these serial numbers and we think we've ordered two of them. So, you know, I promptly went, that's it. I'm having one. It's a dark back gold top. I'm a fan of Slash. I've missed out on buying one of his signature guitars for years. Uh, I'm going to get one. That's it. Have my money. Take my money. Uh, And so I laid down a deposit and that was nine months ago. And since then, we've been talking about it, or at least I've been talking to you about this expensive guitar yeah. that I'm going to get. And you know what? I The more I've thought about it and the more I've kind of agonised about it, I've, I'm, I'm thinking for a number of reasons, this isn't a sensible purchasing choice anymore. It's there's from a from a practical point of view the guitar i think gibson are actually pulling a little bit of a fast one on their customers with this it's it's not really a gibson signature slash guitar other than the case candy that comes with it really? and the fact it's got his name on the back it's it's basically identical to a gibson les paul standard in terms mm. of neck neck shape, neck profile is identical to the standard and his previous mm. signatures had his own custom neck profile. The pickups in it, he's used Seymour Duncan signature uh, slash pickup and they were all in his previous Gibson run of guitars. And this time around, Gibson have created their own Gibson version of that pickup. So it doesn't actually have the pickups that he uses in his guitars and it's a signature guitar. So you go, hmm, hold on a minute. Mm. Okay, fine. So it hasn't got the pickups. It hasn't got the neck profile uh all of the hardware on it is not the tone pros hardware that he has on his guitars or that have been on previous gibson signatures it's just standard Mm -hmm. gibson hardware so you go this is this is just basically a finish uh of a dark back gold top and his name on the back of the headstock but they're Mm -hmm. charging an extra 600 pounds 700 pounds for that and you go oh this just doesn't this doesn't feel like a sensible purchase anymore. It's it's mm. it's not really his signature guitar. It's a standard uh, that's been made out to be his signature run, but it's yeah. but it's not um, in terms of components. So I've been going against my thinking around buying this guitar, and yeah. So you know, the best part of three thousand dollars to spend on a guitar mm. that isn't mm. quite what I wanted it to be from a from a components perspective. Yeah. And am I going to take it out and gig it? Am I going to take out a $3,000 guitar mm. to gig mm. in, in you know, the Fox and Hounds pub on a Saturday night? <laughs> no, you're not. Am I? Of course you're not. I don't. I don't think I am. 
and knowing and also am. knowing what you're you are like um and that's that's not a uh, an insult by the way knowing what you're like in terms of enjoying the details of your instruments i know that yeah. would bug you a lot that those things weren't quite right as they should be. Well, I'd probably end up modding it then, wouldn't yeah. I? I'd probably end up going, I'll get the Seymour <clears throat> Duncan slash pickups and put them in it. I'll change the hardware out. Um, the neck profile, I haven't tried because the guitars still haven't arrived into the UK. Some, some have <coughs> arrived. Uh, Anderton's got a bunch. Peach Guitar's got a bunch. But I had uh, my order with a, with another amazing guitar store who have been brilliant. Mm. It's not their fault. But obviously through through COVID and through Brexit and all of that, there's a huge backlog of... of stuff yeah, that's not arrived into the country the yeah exactly it goes across the whole industry and other industries as well so it's allowed me time to reflect and go well i could i could have another piece of wall art that i'd play at home but it's not something i'd take out and gig and yes i really want a dark back gold top <clears throat> but you know this isn't a sensible use of of what is quite a significant sum of money for a guitar that will end up being an you know another piece of wall art so mm. i've i've let the guitar shop know that Actually, you know, it's on, on, on reflection, you know, uh, I mean, they've said, look, you know, no worries. You can have your deposit back. It's all good. Um, they've said the guitar will probably be arriving in, in the next few weeks, even though it's been on order for nine months. Mm. Um, but, and, and I might go in and try it, but I, I'm, I'm pretty much wedded to the fact that now that I'm not, I'm not going to buy it. It's not a sensible use mm. of uh, money, and it's and it's gear acquisition syndrome gone to the nth extreme of <laughs> you know where you just go. Well, that's just a silly a silly acquisition. Yeah, but is there now a gaping hole waiting to be? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you've got this cash burning up a hole in your pocket now, is it is it a case of where well, you're back to just not having that guitar and you'll see what happens? Or what's what's going to happen instead, Kieran? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, well, I, I do know. I do know. Uh, oh. So, well, up and... Well, I, so I'm, I'm still looking for a dark back gold top, right? And, you, and Gibson have been doing the 57 custom shop dark back gold top for a long time but that's even more money that's like yeah. four or five thousand dollars so so i'm not going to spend money on yeah. that and that's definitely not going to get taken out and gig um but you know a, when it comes to the gibson les paul i'm quite i'm quite particular in terms of you know yes i could get an epiphone version but it doesn't have the gibson headstock shape you know forget mm-hmm. the gibson mm-hmm. name on it just the headstock shape uh, even yeah, though i own I you know a couple of epiphone les pauls i i, I still love the gibson head stock shape yeah I agree. and then and then other people that kind of copy the gibson les paul they don't quite get the shape right they kind of change it slightly so it's not quite right so you go oh, i'm just i'm just either going to have to look on the secondhand market and, and wait for something to come up that's right and that is a dark back gold top or um i'm gonna have to try and be patient and i've been looking for one for years uh you know uh but then something happened this week uh oh. and yeah you don't know about this so no, something I happened don't. this week And, uh, I stumbled across, um, a range of guitars that have come out from Tokai, who, as we all know, got in trouble uh, in the eighties for basically copying Gibson Les Paul to the point where Gibson filed a lawsuit against them. Because they were that good. Because they were that good. And Japanese made Tokai's, uh, Tokai's Mm. a Japanese company, the Japanese made Tokai's are still half the price brand new of a Gibson and have a reputation of being better yeah. than 
many production-run Gibson Les Pauls. The mm-hmm. Japanese manufacturing quality and standards um, are just superb. Um, and you don't get a lot of them leaving uh, Japan. They do go to other markets globally, but 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 not in the huge volumes that that you know would would mean that you see them everywhere. So I was kind of looking at some of the the Japanese kind of tokais and things, thinking, well, they they copy the Gibson Les Paul really nicely, um, and maybe I'll get what I'm looking for. But they don't do a dark back gold top either. And then this week, I discovered that Tokai for the first, well, not for the first time, but have redone their uh, Tokai made in Japan's, uh, made in China series, right? So this is, so these are guitars that are made in China, but under the instruction and oversight of the Japanese luthiers. So to the same standards, but with slightly different components and obviously made in China, so cheaper. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went hunting and digging and they do a dark back gold top. Do they say Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so. So then this happened. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so for what for the listeners, what Kieran's just done right at the end of the podcast, he just pulled out the guitar he's been talking about the whole time, was wanting, and there it is. Right. <laughs> Not so, 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 so this happened, which which was quite spectacular. Yeah, that is um, beautiful. But then also this happened. What, what, they, what they multiplied? You bought two. <laughs> so here, we, here I was for a second, thinking Kieran finally got over his gas. He, he, didn't, he didn't buy that guitar. <laughs> Actually, he's got worse. He's bought two. That is incredible. They're both incredible. Are they the same guitar then? Yeah. So they are both the same guitar, right? So unbelievable. Uh, they are stunning. So from a so they're a dark back gold top. Yeah. Um, they're made in China under Tokai's uh, kind of licensing and oversight. And I um, I bought um, I bought one and was blown away by everything really? on it. It is like from a from a guitar tech's perspective, they it is made beautifully. Okay, it's a it's a two piece body and back rather than one piece like you get on a Gibson, but who cares? You can barely see this where the join is. The uh, fretwork is impeccable. I mean, impeccable. Um, the quality of the paintwork and the binding is flawless. The it, it comes with a bone nut. It's it's got a handmade bone nut on it that has been cut perfectly. Um, it sounds phenomenal. Wow. And I thought, wow, these, these are really good. These are really good for 500 pounds. Were you, were you kind of like, maybe it's a fluke. I'll get another one just in case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. With the intention of not keeping both. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I, so I spoke to, so I spoke to the company. I said, look, can you send me another one? I'll pay for it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But I'm just really interested in, um, in, these guitars now. So I just want to see, like, what are these guitars all about? So I got another one and I agreed with them that, you know, if I'd return one of them. Um, and the second one is even better than the first one. Um, really? Yeah. So the first one you got was a bad one. <laughs> well, if, I mean, and I was blown away by it. Yeah. But um, the second one, it just in terms of uh, it, 
I don't know. I, honestly, they are they are brilliant. There's yeah. subtle differences between both of them, and they are they are phenomenal. They are for the money. They are absolutely phenomenal. Um, so I'm going to take out the stock pickups. Yeah. Uh, and put in uh, some Iron Gear pickups, which mm-hmm. people that era, you know, know I, I rave about. I think they're incredible pickups. Mm-hmm. Um, to not because the pickups that are in them are bad, um, but I just prefer the look of an open coil uh, humbucker. Mm-hmm. And whilst I could take the cases off these pickup, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to replicate that kind of slash gold top. So I'm going to put in the Iron Gear pickups mm-hmm. that are basically a, a very very good reproduction of of his own kind of um, signature pickups. And um, I might I might change you know the caps in it just to to kind of play around with that. That I mean that's pennies we're talking about and a little bit yeah, of soldering. Exactly. Um, I might I might change the the wiring in it to 50s style wiring rather mm-hmm. than the modern wiring. Again, we're talking about pennies in terms of some soldering there. And yeah. then I've got uh, then I've got what I was after. So um so yeah. Uh and I'm 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 telling myself I'll definitely return one of these. Um <laughs> tune in next week to see if I actually did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I so, think we've learned something quite important haven't we which is uh you've got a problem <laughs> you, do, do i no. do i look because i've i've saved thousands no, surely. Well, there you go that's that's the thing you've saved thousands of pounds uh i'm so pleased for you that you found that model of guitar um and in a way, you know, a really unique way as well. You found, I, I, I feel like I've got a, I mean, you, you, you're talking about these guitars and how well they play and how well they're made. That's really exciting to see that level of quality now coming from other manufacturers. Um, I undoubtedly, you know, Gibson need to step up their game, I think, in terms of, you know, what they're doing with their instruments. But I think that's partly because a couple of years ago, they almost went bankrupt, didn't they? And they've been restructured, mm. rebought out. There's probably investors and people who who care less about what is the output, uh, who need to know that you know the company's making money again. So maybe we'll see that for a few years. Going back to that Murphy Lab rant that we had a while back, which you know was maybe a little bit too angry, but at the same time, I think when we when I said it was profiteering, I think you know you've got to kind of expect that from Gibson maybe at the moment given you know their position over the last few years you know they're trying to make sure they're going back to being profitable again uh, but it goes to show you you can still look elsewhere for quality you know instruments that have that same vibe from Gibson and Fender I think that's really cool I'm looking forward to hearing it yeah I think I think you've made the, the point perfectly Matt I think I, I love Gibson I really do mm. and I cover I cover their guitars and instruments but you know if you're going to produce a a signature guitar from a from a you know a world famous artist um actually ensure that it is like his actual previous signatures that you've made or the guitars that he does play mm. now he'll probably end up playing some of these on on stage and on tour now whether that'll be because of the deal he's got with with Gibson or not I'm I'm not sure but that you know these guitars that they're making as as his signature at the moment are are not anything more than the standard production line standard with with a with a name mm. of an artist on it and a significantly hiked up price tag, which I don't think is, again, you know, back to that Murphy Lab rant, I think that is probably profiteering off something that is is not not the right way to go about it. Make, make a signature guitar, you mm. know, a proper signature guitar. But, you know, they are great guitars. I've played, I had the, I had the pleasure of playing a couple of them when I was out in the States uh, before lockdown. And I went to, to Guitar Center there and, and tried some of them. They're lovely guitars. 
They really, really are nice. So if anyone owns one, then brilliant. You know, good for you. They're, they're cracking guitars. Um, but it wasn't quite in my head what I'd wanted when I wanted that signature. And um, you know, some of the some of the appointments on it are not are not exactly for me what I was looking for uh, in a signature. So, and I think the price tag, I just wouldn't go and take it out gigging. And I, and whereas these are five hundred pounds each, and what I would, yeah, <laughs> honestly, mate. They they are oh, they're well, five hundred pounds made in China <laughs> Tokai guitars, and I've set up a lot of guitars in my lifetime, and I tell you what, I am blown away at that price point as to what has been produced to the <clears> point <throat> where I ordered a second one just to see if the first one was a fluke, and the second one turned out to be even nicer yeah. than the first one. Um, and okay, I'll, I'm going to swap out the pickups because I have a particular preference for, for pickup yeah. and I might do a little bit of wiring yeah. change on it just for my own kind of tinkering and modding. So I might end up spending an extra hundred bucks on it because these iron gear pickups yeah. are phenomenal for the price. Um, yeah. and like half the price of a, a set of Seymour Duncans, but still I will then have the look and sound of a guitar that I'll be very happy to take out gigging. And surely that's got to be the point if I'm acquiring any more gear. I've got to use it live rather than sticking on a wall. You have to enjoy it. You don't want to feel anxiety about your instrument when you're playing it, whether that's at home. I mean, I feel like that. I feel feel like as much as I covet some of the more expensive instruments that there are on the market, I do worry if I ever owned one, I'd I'd be scared to touch this. I wouldn't want, you know, like now my, you know, as much as I love these guitars that I have, they're not expensive guitars. And if my son yeah. Daniel wants yeah. to come in and kind of play around on one of them, I don't mind. But if I had something that was a few grand, that that was a heavy yeah. investment, you know, financially as well as a commitment to yeah. something I really wanted, um, yeah. I'd be scared of touching it myself. I don't ever want to feel like that about an instrument. I'd much rather have something yeah. more affordable and enjoy it more. When you when you know that you're getting the quality and you're not having to make the compromises that you thought you would have to. Yeah. I don't feel I've made any compromises, honestly, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. with a couple of tweaks that I'm going to make to them out of the box, these gar- guitars are superb. And it's actually sent me down a bit of a rabbit hole in terms of Japanese yeah. guitars and some of the more premium made in China, um, particularly under Jap- Japanese licensed guitars, because I can now see what, what you can get. And, you know, I've owned and seen a bunch of Epiphone stuff and they're great for the price point. Um, and a lot of these other kind of um, cheaper, uh, more modestly priced guitars, and they're really good for the money. But in the same way that, you know, I kind of speak about the Iron Gear pickups, just not just being good for the money, but just being full stop good. These these Tokai guitars are really good, not just for the money. They're just really, really good. And I look at it with a critical eye and go through all the different points and checks on a guitar that I would make to assess how it's been made and how it's been finished and put together. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm blown away. Absolutely blown away. So, so when does the third one arrive? That's, that's, is that shipped I, at the moment? Is it? Oh. I have been looking. I have been No, my wife reined me back and said, come on, seriously? And I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And look, to be, to, to be honest, um, one of these gold tops has, has probably got to go back. Really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I, don't need to, I don't need two of them. Um, I just wanted to see, um, you know, and, and because I was buying these online, right. And because I wasn't able to go into a guitar shop and try them out because we're in lockdown. Yeah. And I do really feel that there is this thing about being able to try a guitar and connect with it. And, um, 
for the amount of money that it cost to get another one shipped out and then I could return it for a, for a small like delivery fee. I thought, well, why not do that? And then I can try out a couple of them, pick the one that I like and, mm. and return the one that I don't need. Right. That's the, that's the beauty of doing Amazing. it. But yeah, yeah, from, from this, from this exercise, <clears throat> they're great. They're great guitars. Well, I'm over the moon for you, mate. Uh, so so great. And it's the perfect place to wrap this up before you tell me that you've got more guitars on order or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, no I more, think no genuinely I'm going to go away now. and look at them That's myself the now. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, if, if you're talking like, you know, Epiphone money for something like that, that is incredible. Um, I'm going to go and check them out. Awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, go down the rabbit hole that I've been going on, which is Japanese-made Tokais and then other Japanese yeah. manufacturers. Send me some links uh, where you've been looking so I know I'm looking I will. in the right place, yeah. I will. I will. I'll send you some stuff. And, uh, yeah, let me know if you want to buy a, um, uh, a barely used um, Tokai gold top, mate. I've got, I've got, I've got a spare one going. <laughs> It's, it's damn good, I tell you. Oh, dear. What a great story. Guitar acquisition syndrome, mate. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, we were meant to, this was meant to be a therapy session. <laughs> like going to Alcoholics feel- Anonymous and somebody breaking out a bottle of Jack Daniels. It's just. <laughs> Can we not overlook the fact that uh, I, I, I said no to a Gibson Les Paul that I'd had on order for nine months? Oh, I thought that yeah, I thought that was a tremendous amount of restraint on my part. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> you relapsed though immediately. That's the thing. You, you, mm. yes. Okay, mm. you turned down this guitar you've been hankering for for years. That's absolutely fine. But your response was to buy two guitars <laughs> that look like the guitar you've been hankering for for years. So <laughs> I, I, I see your point. Uh, I think yeah, I know that's a point well made. <laughs> I think I think you've reacted badly. Is what I'm saying. But it seems like it's paid off at the same yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Brilliant. I've rebanded, haven't I? I've rebanded. Exactly. Oh, well, well uh, t- tune in, ne- tune in next note. week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was superb, mate. I really enjoyed it. Awesome podcast. <laughs> awesome conversation. I'm so pleased for you with those guitars, mate, but um, I'm looking forward to finding out more next week about how well they play. Are you doing any work on them over this yeah. next week? Yeah, I will be. So um, new pickups are going to go in. A um, couple of little wiring tweaks, um, and just give them my own particular setup. Even though out of the box they were they were pretty pretty spot on. Um, I'm going to set them up properly and do all of those things that we talked about in the guitar maintenance podcasts. Yes, uh, guitar maintenance 101. I'm uh, going to do all those things to it. And so yeah, um, I'll tell you tell you how I get on with that um, over the course of the week, and, and and we'll discuss it on the podcast. But yeah. <clears throat> more so than not I'm looking forward to lockdown ending and, and us being able to get back out there and gig and, and yeah I can't wait yeah. to keep these guitars awesome looking these, forward these, to it this guitar yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant I can't talk about them in the plural <laughs> one of them don't has to do go. it <laughs> can you separate twins you can separate oh, twins right don't That's okay. do it Karen stop it stop looking for reasons to keep them both okay you've got a problem you need to admit it first and send one of them back. Sure. Or to me. Send it to me, I'll send it back for you. That's fine. I'm happy to help with this problem, okay? I'll I don't know when the refund will maybe, arrive. Maybe when we when we hit a certain number of listeners, we'll do it as a giveaway. How about that? I could, I could, I could caretake it up yes. until a point where the, you we, heard where, it, where, listeners. Where, where, yeah. There you go. Kieran That's will give the you the reason. opportunity. Kieran will give you the opportunity to prize it. 
from his hands to <laughs> my, my cold dead hands. No, I'm serious. I'm serious, Matt. How about that? If this podcast, we need to define what the rules will be. But if this podcast, and we have some amazing listeners globally, uh, yeah. So thank you for all, all that support. But um, yeah, if we hit a certain number, which we need to define, maybe this will become a giveaway for the podcast. Oh, interesting. And definitely th- food for thought. Food for thought. I nearly said them. I said the words properly. We've done a lot of talking. Anyway, let's wrap it up. Good to speak to you this yeah. week, Karen. And you, mate. Congratulations Always on the guitar and have a cracking weekend and a cracking week. And I'll speak to you next week. And you, buddy. Take care of yourself. Lovely to speak to you as Will always. Will do. Mate. You too, Matt. Take care. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. Cheers, pal. Another really interesting conversation this week. We hope you enjoyed it. Come back for more next week from the Guitar Smarts team. Come say hello to us on our social media pages. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts so you never miss a show. Thanks again and see you soon.